and oh, we're cool. here. I got pinged. We did it. We're, we're so live. We're live. Yeah, a bunch of us, a bunch of us got pinged. Yeah, hopefully me shifting around doesn't constantly affect the audio going on here. We have approximately zero viewers, and I'm ready to go, dude. I don't know about you. I'm ready to go. Like, just this whole thing yeah, has me, like, in kind of a no Fs given kind of a mood. You know, the governor's making a speech downstairs. My mom's hanging on to every single word. I, quite <laughs> frankly, don't give a fuck about any of it because it's like, wow. Talk about just, like, you, you know what the governor sounds like? He kind of sounds like that old man that it's like, that, that you could just tell is just trying to make everyone feel better during a crisis. And like, I admire him for it. He's doing his job well, but he still has no idea what he's talking about, even with like all the scientific experts stacked next to him, which is, is kind of the thing that like doesn't lend legitimacy. Also, like, I, I, I kind of imagine in my voice that like every time a politician dies, a, a baby dies simultaneously. And I'm not putting that light. Uh, sorry, not dies. Every time a politician speaks, a baby dies. That's the word that I was going for. And so wow. with all that being said, What's up, people? I'm Dom, the movie nerd. This is Chris, the TV nerd. Yes, Chris, I love that you picked up on the having to put the TV in your nickname because that works perfectly. I was too lazy. I just put the movie nerd in my thing. But hey, uh, man, you know, you got Chris, a job to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I do. But yeah, so Chris, we're here. We're doing another podcast, but we're doing a little bit of an experiment this time. We're doing a live stream. We are, we are. 140 on a Saturday afternoon. Hopefully some people actually start to realize it. Well, um, either way, I mean, they'll hear it eventually. Maybe not if they don't yep. tune into the live stream as much. Uh, maybe not as yes. as soon as you know they can. But either way, this episode yep. will see the light of day. Yeah, most definitely. And so, Chris, with all that's going on in the world right now, this is the, the the topic of today's episode, if you will. Shit, I just realized I gotta shut off all notifications there. <laughs> yeah, you that. you definitely should shut off all notifications. Yeah, that, that now just, here comes the um the the problem is I, the problem is I don't know how to mute them on my computer without muting like all the volume because then I won't be able to hear you. Then fuck it, we're this dude. This is the live stream yeah, podcast. We're, we're doing it live. We're doing, we're it, doing live. it live. Screw exactly. it. Exactly. And, and if uh, you're listening yeah. to this months from now and it comes out, we didn't do it. We did it live when it first aired. We, we did it live, out. but we'll do we, we do this more often. So now you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that being said, Chris, as you could tell by your shirt that you have on, the subject of today's episode is one that we have been wanting to do for a while now. Since, I'd say, and the inception that, of this Yeah, this well, uh, not, not just since the inception of the show, just, like, since the inception of, like, when we met. Like, that's that's how long this thing is going. Because I think from the minute that I met you, the, the, it kind of the, instead of the, the How I Met Your Mother, I'm waiting for when they eventually make the TV show or the, or the movie about us, and it'll be called, you know, How I Met Chris, if I do it. Then <laughs> if, if, I, I, I don't know what it'll be called, though, then, if it's going to be, like, some other third person doing it. I don't know. But... The point being is that when we first met, that was like when I was like my, the height of my Game of Thrones craze because season five was senior year of high school. Then we got season six, my 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 first year of Duchess, the that first semester. That was before we met because we didn't meet until the fall. But Game of Thrones sixth season had already aired in its entirety. That was just like yeah, whoa, this is like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Battle of the here. Bastards and, and all that jazz. Yeah, and, and so 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 we were chilling. We were talking about it a lot. But you made it clear to me that there was this one show that to you probably had the biggest impact in your entire life growing up. Me and my situation was a little bit different because I didn't get into like peak TV until I was a lot later in high school. I think like junior year of high school is when I started, but I was just binging shows nonstop that were like way past the problem. Like I binged Sopranos, I binged Honorage, I binged Boardwalk Empire, I binged Sons of Anarchy, I binged a ton of shows. Mostly when, when I was growing up, it was mostly just cartoons. And like I, I was very privileged enough to be, in my opinion, growing up during the height of the Cartoon Network craze let's call it like i'm talking shows like ben 10 the original teen titans code name kids next door ed ed Nettie, like the, the list goes on and and it, and it only got better as time went on yeah uh, you the and original me both, run man. Of star wars the clone wars Grim adventures. i was around for that 
Yeah, lot, lots of good stuff that decade. But for you, see, you, you were already getting into a little bit more of mature TV. And because, see, my parents tortured me with NCIS after NCIS episode, <laughs> but I didn't realize they were bad at the time. And But you, you, were, you were into the show that arguably I would say was kind of the defining show of its decade. The Game of Thrones of its day, if you will. Yeah, so basically my my history with the show that we're going to cover today, which is Lost, the greatest television show of all time. Oh, come on. Um, no, it was gonna, we were going to keep up the ambiguity ba- like, Dave, like Little Off and Houston for the entire show. We, we can't because we just got to get right into this. Basically, yeah, so right. like... We can't make the same mistakes that they did. There was no mistakes made, man. And and that's what okay. we're going to get into. We're, we're, we're going to find that out today. And so, you know, my, my history with Lost is I actually started watching... I caught up the summer before the final season because I was still a super little kid too when all that was airing. And, you know, yeah. there's... Uh, some suggestive scenes although it's like an ABC show or so it never really yeah, got quite so. there but you knew it was going on and the con- you have if, if you can understand context you can get that when Jack and Kate went off into the woods alone you know yep so anyways well, like, that, they, like they, they showed like some straight getting down and dirty scenes too yeah no I mean it was it was it, it definitely took its chances and uh so like for me I kind of binged it all the summer before uh, the sixth season came out with my mom we we kind of like watched that show and so it's like yeah there it, it was like pretty intense things for like I think I was I gotta want to say like 12 or 13 like you know some of that stuff with the others when that first comes around like pretty scary and so it's like Lost is like um it's like a time capsule to me yeah it's definitely some dark stuff right there most definitely yeah it's like a time Uh, capsule to me so basically yeah like there's a reason why my parents wouldn't let me watch stuff like that and then I go back and watch it of course it seems tame to us now but it's like yeah, that there was aside from just that, like there are a lot of reasons why Lost was considered like kind of the peak TV show of its day. You know, like there's always usually a drama in the comedy. Um, the comedy, obviously, at the time was The Office, but it, it's weird because the, the whole thing with The Office, I feel like The Office did, was one of those shows that didn't gain popularity until years later. Like I feel like it being on Netflix really helped out a lot with that. Well, I will but, just say that you know The Office is my my second favorite show of all time and my favorite sitcom. It, that that yeah, decade that, that, is that, uh, very near and dear to my heart. But you know, Lost yeah, for that, me that, is sort of like a time capsule because it's just like one of those. Things things where like I've watched it so many times at so many different points in my life and I know I will continue to do that going forward so it's almost like if you have like a certain place that maybe you used to visit with your family when you were little and then you also went to that same place with your friends as you were growing up and then maybe like even as you get older you go with a different group of people and you have like a different memory at like each time something new could come back to you from your past where you were mentally at when you were watching it and so that's like kind of like me with Lost like there's like it's one specific moment recall. yeah exactly there's like one specific moment and I remember um, in like the sixth season where Saeed is uh, s- still in the um, you know the Dharma the Dharmaville and it's super dark and Jin's like you can't be here like you're gonna ruin our way of life and I always just remember like sitting there watching that for the first time and then there's like another moment where um, you know they first see that crazy giant like electric fence and I just remember like sitting on my couch at my old friend Steve's house and I was like dude this is like a good episode to get into Lost with because I knew he like needed like someone to get thrown into an electric fence to get him to watch this show and there's just like so many memories like i have with like a trying to convince people to watch the show and just be like where i was at with this show so yeah that's i mean aside from it just being a fantastic show i'd be lying and i need people to know that what i'm about to say about this show also comes from like a place of sort of you know sentimental uh value and and just nostalgia so yeah, it looks like this show had an effect on you, to say the least. Um, yeah, we're going to get into all that because I definitely also have some things to say because I, again, this is another, I feel like we're in a little bit of a trend here, similar to our Scott Pilgrim episode that we recorded, <laughs> not at all recently. Um, this is another thing where you definitely have a lot more fondness for this material than I would say I would because I got into it a kind of a little bit late in the game, but I'm still able to appreciate what the show did, what the show brought mm-hmm. to 
obviously the pop culture landscape, the television landscape, everything. And I will admit that like it is a well done show. There are a lot of aspects about this show that like really impress me, especially like the the, the, the two things that, that I get out of that is a the type of storytelling that they were able to accomplish on a network scale. And B, just the, the overall like filmmaking. Like it didn't. It was a show that didn't feel like other shows. It was a show that like you, wow, you act like they're it's shot entirely on location. Like like the camera angles are actually dynamic. It's not just the typical sitting still, except for like one occasional camera rotation. You know, like that. There's a lot of dynamic shooting that goes into it. There's intrigue. There's mystery. But it was mystery that didn't feel forced. It was like actual like legitimately mystery. Like when when you first landed on that island with the with the survivors of Oceanic Flight 815, you were kind of it, it was. You were kind of thrown in. You were in, you were kind of in their shoes, is what I'm trying to get at. You know, yeah. it's like the the audience, the 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 castaways were kind of vessels for you. You were kind of discovering everything with them as you went along with them on their individual journeys. And what was also unique is Lindelof also introducing a technique that he would utilize on. I know for a fact Watchmen just this year previously, which is kind of utilizing. Every episode as uh, give, giving a little bit of backstory to one of our characters, therefore fleshing them out and also helping to incorporate that into the greater overall story. And that's actually a narrative technique that I really liked. How he implemented, I think he actually did it a little bit better on Watchmen, probably because it was a miniseries, so he kind of he he only had like that one idea, so like he knew he had to be tight. But with Lost, obviously very experimental, he had plenty of room to uh, experiment with that. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you you are giving Lindelof a lot of credit, but I think we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, sort of speak about two other people who sort of really pioneered this show and sort of even though one was a producer and one was a director Mr. Drew Goddard was uh, the most seen directing episodes of the show and he actually would sort of stop into the writer's room and they would be like hey Drew if you were directing this how would you see it go down and, and oftentimes his critique sort of changed the way that they, they wrote the scene and, and the characters sort of came to life and same with Carlton Cuse on the producing side and that's because I think it's no secret but in case you guys don't know and one of the reasons why I love Lost so much and respected it taking all nostalgia aside is because of the fact that like this whole thing can be viewed as like a, a huge lesson in screenwriting and producing a show because they were a strangleholded strong-armed whatever you want to call it by Disney the entire time to keep it going they wanted it to be just a concise two three season story at first because if you think back then you know shows were 23 24 episodes long so you could tell like uh, maybe a six season Netflix show in that time length and B they, they really never had an ending in sight because of all this you know they were sort of always trying to make it up on the fly in between seasons and and even you know when the writer's strike came uh even even then they had to like readjust so that this show has been through so much but not just Damon Lindelof, like even though J.J. Abrams sort of helped get the pilot off the ground and he was like on set and he, he shot like the first few episodes, but he kind of quickly left and a lot of people don't know that. They really like to credit him, but like he was he was confident in Lindelof, but Lindelof also had, you know, Drew Goddard and uh, Carlton Cuse sort of always hanging around and, and really helping him bring it to life. So I think the three of them, when I think of like the creative team behind Lost, I think, you know, of course, Lindelof at the helm, but I think those two guys are right there with him. And I mean, dude, you know, this was like almost barbaric the way that ABC sort of forced them to keep going. So that's why, yes, there is problems, you know, see, but I, I credit I actually, it a I lot. Wanted to br- I actually wanted to bring that up. I wanted to bring that up, actually, because um, I don't remember the name of the... I feel so bad, but I, I think the channel's name was Rite. I, I think was the was the channel that I sent you. I sent you a uh, channel list. Oh, I don't remember that, that, but... kind of broke down every season. We'll link it in the description and, later, because it was pretty cool. Well, yeah, yeah, but what, what I found... From, from going through that and kind of everything that Lindelof and Cuse were going through is that I don't necessarily look at it as kind of them being forced to do it. The whole thing was that ABC gave them kind of kind of, kind of of an extra three-season order, which they didn't even – which like was just unheard of at the time. 
And the whole thing is, like, they accept it. So, like, that's the thing that I come back to at the end of the day, you know, is they still could have said no. And, like, I get that, like, they were fighting, obviously, with the network. But also, like, just given, like, how business relationships, like, in that sense, that high up work, I can't imagine that it's, like, they were willing to. It's, like, okay, we've got the biggest TV show, arguably, on the planet right now, and we just got an extension for another three seasons. Who's saying no to that? You you, you know people as well as I do. Like, at that sense, like, that just that kind of totalitarian like takeover happens oh wow some good alliteration well would you would you take the deal at that point in time i would have yeah me too are you kidding me i'm running the (laughs) biggest fucking show yeah me too at the time i am not saying no if disney comes to me and is like hey we're gonna extend your contract we're gonna give you an extra three seasons which again keeping in mind that is unheard of like that just didn't happen for these types of shows, like network, like again, we're, this isn't like a, this isn't like an FX. This is none of the streaming services are around at the time. You know, like this is True. around what 2006, 2007 that this extension happens. Mm-hmm. Like, like, like that, that, that stuff just didn't happen. Like, yeah. well, this is ABC we're talking about. So I guess if anything, I give credit to Disney. And keeping in mind also that a certain CEO took over at this time that we both, you know, love to shit on, that being Bob Iger, because yeah. Bob Iger replaced Michael Eisner in 2005. Now, obviously, I don't know how much of a hand he had in this, or which executive obviously dealt directly with them. But yeah, I, I also, I appreciate how you bring up J.J. Uh, Abrams, but I actually have a debunker to further debunk your debunk, which is that... Sure, let's hear it. J.J., uh, you, you gave him credit for the first couple episodes. J.J. directed the pilot. That was it. That was the only episode that he directed. Well, well, well one the, and two, the though, because pilot. the pilot's like a two-part... Right, right. Two yeah, parts, yeah. right? But again, the whole thing with Lost and their fans, and you—you, you, I've asked you numerous times, like, so the wait, LA, LAX yeah. in the end, one episode or two, like, because the whole thing is that depends on who yeah, you I, ask. I hate, I, I hate when networks do this too, where, where networks will line their episodes up back to back, so it's technically like, oh, is it one episode or is it two episodes? But they're both like broadcasting at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's like make up your goddamn mind. It's like they're trolling us on. Purpose. I've seen Walking Dead do that shit, and it's so annoying. Mr. Robot has done yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Like, it, where it's technically a two-parter episode because it's an hour 40, hour 50, but, you know, obviously with commercials, it ends up being a full two hours because they want it to be like a, you know, like a televised movie. Right. But, yeah, and, and Lost was notorious for that, but the thing that I liked about the first five scenes is that, okay, at the very least, they were clear and specific. Like, okay, like, all for the most part, all the premieres that were two-parters, they, those were two episodes. Like, it's technically pilot part one and pilot part two. To the to the point where the last one, and, and I'll tell you what they especially tried to mess around with was the first season uh, finale, Exodus, where that, I'm pretty sure that episode was on two different weekends, like one weekend and then another, but that's three episodes technically because he got one one hour episode and one like hour 40 episode, and I'm like, what? Like, this is bullshit, but, like, at the very least on Netflix, thank God for the streaming, because that shit clears it right yeah. up. It's listed as three episodes, because like, Exodus parts one, two, and it, three. You know, they really tried to milk this show for all it was worth, but I think I think that's a testament to how strong it was at the time. I mean, I remember reading, uh, sort of, I, I listened along to this podcast, actually, called uh, Feels Like the First Time, and so they rewatched Lost in 2016, and they did a really cool thing where each, each week they would sort of pull up, like, how many people tuned into that episode at the time, and, dude, preposterous ratings like they had like hundreds of millions of viewers at the end of each season like absolutely yeah. crazy so i can totally see why they'd want to you know stretch yeah. a finale again, or it's it's unprecedented because again even it's that's kind of still at that weird transition point in the late 2000s where um like like streaming is starting to become a thing and there are starting like there are alternative things like that like obviously it's not like the 80s with like mash or cheers mm-hmm. it's like okay it's either mash or cheers and that's it you know like you got this show on this night or this show on this night and if you miss it you know there's no DVR or nothing DVR was a thing so people could like watch it on repeat 
Um, the, again, there are other channels. There were other shows they could watch, like HBO. Basic Cable was becoming a thing. You know, like this isn't like the only show that you can watch, or else you'll miss it. You know, like technology had kind of improved at the time, but like to show that there's that many people tuning in for each one of these finales, like that shows that, like, yeah. Like, the, 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 this definitely had an impact, and, like, everyone was watching it. Even, even to the bitter end in those controversial last seasons. Now, now let's sort of, we've sort of spoken about, like, the history of Lost and, like, the creators, and, and, I mean, yeah, they took the deal, but, you know, they still, at the end of the day, were met with, like, a lot of, sort of, uh, locks by the studio like the studio was never too into them fully being super sci-fi they wanted it to be more of like a drama set in an island with these like you know beautiful looking people but they wanted to really even dive in deeper into like the sci-fi and the heavier stuff and that's why you don't really sort of get more of the smoke monster and the uh the flash sideways and all that type of stuff until those last few seasons predominantly more so in the fifth and sixth season especially the sixth with the whole flash sideways storyline so you know it wasn't an easy road but nonetheless the fans still love the show and i think that's why i kind of want to dive in to why the show is so polarizing first of all like it's either you love or you hate lost there's no like yeah it was a good show i enjoyed it there's there's no like i mean if you're out there comment right now or let us know because i haven't met you and i've spoken about this show with just about everyone i know and, and so like why, why do you think it's just such like a, a like a hard right or hard left type show because at the time again it's kind of something something similar to like every single time you get one of these big huge properties which is that uh, again, at that point, you're not talking about just like something. The thing, the thing, the the key difference to keep in mind, obviously, about easily as far back as now, ten years ago, which is when Lost ended, and now is that now there are so many different options when it comes to this sort of thing. You know, like people have newer. There, there's so much stuff that it's like. The reason why I said that Game of Thrones was like the last big show that everyone tuned into is because it really was. Like, now there's just too many options. Now I feel like for one show to kind of be the most talked about show, it's like, yeah, it's going to be like one of the most, the five most talked about shows, if it's lucky. Yeah. Stranger you know? Thing was but certainly like an anomaly. Never, yeah, definitely, especially when it came out. Like, if anything, Stranger Things was and still is an anomaly. But it's like, yeah, if you're not watching Stranger Things, you could just as easily go and watch like BoJack Horseman or any one of the numerous HBO shows that started up. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's kind of, that change in thought process where now instead of funneling and putting all their resources behind one giant flagship show, they, I mean, studios have always done this, but now they're really leaning into it, which is, again, making sure that they have multiple consistently good content. I kind of like that, but again, it also takes away from kind of the peakness of it. And that, I think, is why going forward you're not going to see a situation like Game of Thrones, like Lost, like Seinfeld, like Sopranos, all these shows that were like the show to watch. And therefore, everyone was disappointed. I still have a, have a hunch that most of that disappointment comes not from the actual finale itself and the quality that went into it, but just the fact that people were having to say goodbye to certain of their shows. And all they needed, very similar to the times we're facing right now, was just that little bit of disappointment, and boom, millions of people are blowing up. Add the internet to that years later, where that seems to be just the climate of everybody blowing up, and boom, there you go. Yeah, so, you know, that's interesting, and I, I do see all that. My, my only question is, like, don't you think that, like, you know, the, the cream will still rise to the top? Like, like, for example, a Stranger Things. I mean, it's definitely tougher for there to be a show that everyone's watching and everyone's talking about. Or do you think that as, like, more new streaming services seem to come out by the day, it's just going to... you think that, that even... I think it's too subjective at this point. Yeah. I think... I really do. I think it's too subjective at this point. Where Think about it this way. Because now we have the internet, and now everyone has a voice, and everyone has can have, like, their one favorite show, you know? Like, that's a whole thing. There's plenty of options. Put it in this perspective. 
the streaming and the television world right now is like an all-you-can-eat buffet. It used to be like, okay. So true. You've got this one restaurant, and it's the best place in town. Everyone shows up at it. Therefore, when that place closes, everyone's going to go nuts because it's like their favorite place, and there's like nothing else to do, and they have to go like half an hour out of the way in order to get to another good place. But now, literally... It's like a string of all-you-can-eat buffets, and they're all pretty good, but you know that you have plenty of options even if you don't like the one, and that's kind of what the television landscape is right now. So it's not necessarily a matter of kind of the quality will rise. It's just a matter of even if there is quality, everyone's going to have their own favorite thing. You know, like I know one guy's favorite show is this. I know one guy's favorite show is this. I know one guy's favorite show is this, and now there's just that point where it's like, yeah, that's the new normal. And there's so much out there. You might not even have seen like yeah. half of those people's favorite shows. Yeah. And and it's not your fault. Yeah. It's just that there's so much mm-hmm. out there. And, you know, this also kind of feels like um, sort of like the, the relationship between like, you know, Jack and Locke in the sense that like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I kind of have a slightly different opinion. But like at the end of the day, we're both sort of like, you know, aiming for like the same goal you know what i mean to sort of like watch more television and find more television but we sort of have like a different view of how it's going to rise to the top and so like that's that's the thing about like even this conversation with lost it's like splitting us in like two different directions because i hear you and like i don't i still think though that the cream will rise to the top so like with that being said like do you think that some of like the way that Lost sort of played Jack and Locke against each other, do, do you think that they knew what they were doing? Because I've always like loved asking people who like study this shit this type of question because they, they very much so ushered the audience, in my opinion, to either far left or far right. You know what I mean? Do, do you yeah. think that they knew yeah, what they were doing by doing that or was that just luck? I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually glad that you brought that up because what I think it comes down to is neither... I don't think it's luck. I don't think it's just a matter of, okay, that you know, they just got lucky because it happened. No, it was good writing with two different characters, with two very good themes. And I'm honestly really sad that Lost kind of went away from that because something that was pointed out in that series, and one of the reasons why, even though I liked the last couple seasons, because they were fast-paced and action-packed, and there was so much usually happening that they were throwing at you each minute of each episode that you didn't really have time to stop and think. And I enjoyed that in the moment. But for post-viewing thinking and kind of analysis, it kind of really does set the, specifically those last two seasons really down a peg. Because when you think back, yeah, those first couple seasons may have been a little bit slower. And I'll even admit, I was not a fan of certain of the first couple seasons because I thought of how slow they were. But the more and more I think about it, it's just like the dynamic with the characters. Like, that to me is where the strength of the show lies, like in any other show. And if we're talking specifically about Jack and Locke, it's the fact of what made those two diametrically opposed viewpoints so relatable is that they were channel they, they weren't channeling these big grandiose ideas of transporting teleporting islands and all these crazy sci-fi ideas and how the island basically had god living on it it's that it was just two guys with two different sets of beliefs that were arguing with each other and that's a super relatable concept like that's the thing to me that at the end of the day set lost apart from the others is that it was good writing good storytelling and interesting characters that you cared about like right you because you, because for the first time like you have a network tv show introducing diametrically opposing viewpoints and not necessarily showing that one is more right than the other because there's points where you're rooting for jack you're rooting for jack most of the time if you ask me and there's points where you're rooting for Locke. You know, it's like, cause like, even if Locke is 100% wrong, just because you want him to succeed, just because the idea, the latching onto the idea that faith alone can reward you with certain things, you know, I, I will, I will say that that's a certain, that's a certain relative topic that I, I find I've, I've run into a lot in my life now, but 
Yeah. Dude, no, you're you're 100% right. And and so, you know, that to me is sort of like the magic of the show. And so I think I have like sort of a unique experience. I've watched it almost 10 times now. And so I started watching it when I was like 12, 13, and I you know, I'm 26 and I still every few years visit this show. And so to me, like my earliest memories of watching this show, I was divided, but because I liked the people so much. And then as I got older, my my sides sort of switched. When I was younger, I was I was more team team, you know, uh team Matthew Fox. I was more, you know, with Jack. And and as I got older, I'm like really on board with Terry O'Quinn. And I just think that's because as your mind develops and as your views change, like I was starting to, at least when I was little, I wasn't thinking about like, all I was thinking about was I like him. He seems good. He's going to get them safe. And now that I'm older, I'm like, well, you know, I like the way that he looks at the, the world and I like his worldview. And so the, the what I'm trying to say is this show has layers and they have such a large ensemble cast. And they did this at such a time in television where like, hey, just to have a chronological story that keeps going and doesn't start and stop like you brought up NCIS at the beginning of this like that was for the most part network television before we had shows like Lost come in and sort of be like well why can't we tell a continuous story you know and and, and so like just to manage this much and then all these different things you have your sci-fi element but you have your love triangle multiple love triangles like dude they had such a tall order with this show and so yeah I think I think you're right I think that's part of the magic and I think that's why people expected too much because there was just you can't this is a perfect storm of of amazingly like everything that's gripping you in is everything that's too impossible to conclude in a way that makes everyone happy you know yeah de- most definitely and i think that was a problem that cuse and lindelof realized early on and but what they also had on their advantage obviously which again even as recently as 10 years ago very similar to what we talked about on the scott Pilgrim episode like the landscape and just reception and reaction to tv yeah had just changed. It, it, it was still so different. But I think Lost is like one of the like, catalysts for that change. Like I don't think we would have had oh, Breaking Bad see the same success that it had hadn't we had people got used to that. Like cool, so I'm gonna wait all season to pick up where we left off, all summer to pick up where we left off last season. You know, yeah. and like it was, it was, it was definitely. I, w- I would very much attribute. Everyone gives Breaking Bad kind of that credit for kind of the idea of peak. TV, where it's kind of bringing that back, where it's like, oh my god, you have to watch that, but I would argue much more so that Lost kind of kick-started that way before Breaking Bad ever did. And I don't think Lost is alone in doing that. You know, there was other shows no, too, like for, not like all. Firefly got cancelled, but that was certainly if they would have kept that going, that would have been like the same structure, but I think like the success of Lost, because again, like Firefly got cancelled around that time. Audiences weren't that in tune to that sort of kind of world continuing, not just being like a start-and-stop Buffy the Vampire Slayer type thing, you know? So like you know like lost to me though it kind of i think opened up like just this whole new avenue of the way that we and and appreciate you know tv and also like the quality of which we can produce television as well like lost is so cinematic and you can even see that even more as we get to like the the fifth and sixth season especially like yes maybe there is a dip in quality of writing i'm not going to debate you on that but like at the end of the day, though, like the show, the show's attention to detail and cinematic quality set design. I mean, that got more grandiose, almost rivaling movies for what they were able to do back in like that early decade. You know, would you agree with that or what's your take on all that? Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. And it, again, just taking just again, taking it from like kind of a, a mythology standpoint. Like, I don't know if you you probably knew this because you're again, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger Lost fan than you. Well, thank you. Obviously, kind of the idea that like. JJ and Lindelof were kind of taking they, they literally just like made out a list of mysteries and concept ideas in like the original I don't remember what it's called but it, it was just like it was like a lost pamphlet that contained like every single idea that they had for where they wanted to eject the mythos you yeah know? well this goes and, to JJ like, Abrams like, uh, mystery box TED talk that he did around this time yeah 
Yeah, I, I, I think that's... It, I forgot the name of the manual, but it was something along those lines where like they had ideas for where the mysteries would go into, you know? And kind of... But what it does really well... Again, it's it's both J.J. Abrams' strength and weakness, and I don't know how much credit J.J. gets and how mu- or how much versus how much credit Lindelof gets versus Cuse and all those guys, which is kind of the setting up of the mysteries. Again, it's it's something that unfortunately we kind of know now after seeing the rise of Skywalker that J.J. is great at setting up stuff, but not so good at following. Yes, through. I mean not so good at following through. He was all. only and on the first two episodes of the show, as as you you told us earlier yeah. on. So. Yeah, and it's a great pilot. It's a great pilot. So I guess. Just kind of my thought process around that is, is that, okay, they had two different options that they could go in. Mm-hmm. They could keep it strictly a Survivor show with kind of the more mystical sci-fi elements in the background. Again, playing it very smart, which is exactly what Game of Thrones did. Keeping the, 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 the Those elements were always there and in the world and part of the setting, but they were that that's all that they were. They were just part of the setting. They were just part of the right. background. Same thing with Lost. I feel like, and now again, this is me coming from it, having only just finished the show for the first time, from my analytical perspective, from what I've seen, I think that had they maybe focused more on the survivor's journey and kept it more relatable with the characters as opposed to diving into kind of more of the sci-fi elements, I feel like that could have given them more time, I think, to kind of come up with them, conceptualize them better, figure out how to incorporate them better into the story and therefore kind of lead up to a better finale. Because again, it's the thing about the last three seasons of Lost, specifically, that's so frustrating. Uh, again, my problem, some of the more critiques that I'll have with the whole show, but specifically with the last three seasons that's so frustrating is that all the ideas, all the seeds for great ideas are there. You know, like, they're drastically yeah. shorter than the first three seasons. They flow like crazy. Like, they are, they, it is so much e- For me, I found it so much easier to binge these last three seasons than it was to binge the first three. I think the action has stepped up. I think that the, the stuff that they're bringing up is interesting. Like, kind of like the different... I can like, like like the show establishes it's a really great iconography. Like there are you're right. The, the images that are in that show are very very memorable to me. Like the, the yeah, the Dharma, all the different Dharma signs. For me, I think specifically and again, maybe because I just finished it, but the temple, like all the different so like how they placed the position like the mise-en-scene yeah, the temple was with great. the wides are really it, it was impressive to say the least. I'm like, "Holy shit, like for a network TV show, I got to give this stuff a lot of props." But again, it's a situation where they were kind of making it up as a, as they went along. Yeah. Um, it definitely, definitely showed in that last season too. I would say, yeah. unfortunately, and I yeah, most definitely. I feel there's a magic to that, to the improvisational nature of it. But I think like at that point when you're that established and you're that successful, it, it also kind of I can see how people see it. You become a victim of your own right. Success. I see. I can. Yeah, I can also see how people see it as maybe like uh, you know, uh, ill-timed or, or not really like maybe they just say like oh well they don't really if they don't care about it anymore why should I? I can see why people have have given right. that argument. Which, which again, is kind of part of the reason why I'm guessing that's something else that Lindelof and Cuse realized early on, which is why they kept having to bring up the idea of, and this is unfortunate where we got to go into an unsure uh, a topic that you've had to argue with people a lot about before, the idea of them kind of lying to their audience. And we know that that's nothing new. That's not a new phenomenon in Hollywood. That's been going on since time of memoriam. If anything, the only difference between now and back then is that people are much more aware of it now because of the internet. But back then, obviously, you know, like, again, like, the internet was still kind of just getting onto the edge. You know, it was the late 2000s. Like, I don't know what the landscape was like, but it obviously was not to the extent that it is now. Like, online chat forums and blogs were a thing, but, it, like, the type of instantaneous access, like, there was still, like, a slow trickle-down effect that kind of erupted as of that. But the my whole thing and kind of why I may find it so egregious, so much more egregious what they did, is kind of them using it as a strategy 
to just get people to watch the show. It's like, I'm sorry, but like, you're if you're the biggest TV show on the planet right now. Why do you have to consistently lie to your fans? Especially because if we're just talking about the lost fan base and kind of why I give them so much credit is the fact of that was kind of one of the first like big TV show cult fan bases that were like trading. Like kind of like how you would discuss like a like a new Star Wars TV show, like a new nerd property, but like on that level, it was kind of the thing that I would say that Lost was the thing that kind of kicked off this nerdissance, whatever you want to call it, that we're kind of living in right now. Like I really do think that Lost kicked that off because it's like even with something like Sopranos, where you were getting a movie a week, you weren't like getting the discussion chat boards. It's like okay. How do certain symbols lining up at this certain angle, what could that potentially yeah, be? Yeah, yeah, like, true. You, you I mean, I was definitely too young for the forums, but I've heard rumors of the forums and yeah, and how, you know, and the podcast of the day just... Wedded to exactly. This and you know what? Thank God they did, because they were telling us so much, though, throughout the entirety of the show, that if you just looked, paused, t- t- took a moment to take it all in, you know, y- you would have... So that's why I also think that like this show did what also other network televisions shows didn't do at the time in the sense that like, you know, there was always more than meets the eye. It was it really took show don't tell to the next level as as far as context clues go and the symbolism and the way they used it. So I, I think that like a a part of like people's gripes with the finale and the way they wrapped it up is because I think a lot of people feel like, oh well, so what? In the last episode, they just hoodwinked us and they pulled it out. They pulled it out of nowhere. Well, they, I mean, they kind of didn't. I think an argument can be made that if you really paid attention and you saw like the story in between the frames, so to speak, you know, like like if you read between the lines, because th- there was symbolism and, and imagery throughout the entirety of this show. Yes. Again, it, it still was maybe not the strongest send-off, although I love the finale, and I think it's perfect because I took the time to go in and read uh, all of, like, you know, the Lostpedia and all that type of stuff and, like, sort of see the screenshots and people, and it opened my eyes, and I was like, oh, they were kind of hinting at this the whole time. But, again, I think it's also a sign of the times where people didn't really, A, know to do that at this point in time, and B, they weren't they weren't expecting that. So that's just another one of the risks that I think this show took. And obviously, consequently, it also does suffer a bit from it. But I don't know, what's your take on all that? Because that's kind of why I forgive it. Because, like, if you're really into this, if you're, like, a lost addict like I am, then, like, there's just more rewatch value there for me because we're not getting any more of it, unfortunately, you know? I guess, I guess if I'm going specifically with... The, the, some, some of the things that I was thinking of is that, like, like, so as you talked about the finale specifically, my whole thing with that is that that I fi- and kind of what I find egregious is again, it's one thing to kind of lie and say that you have a master plan and that everything is going to be revealed when you clearly don't. That's one thing we know that we made our peace with that. What I'm confused about is why they constantly went back on what they were saying specifically. I'm not talking about having a plan and following through with it. I'm talking about ideas. So the whole thing, obviously, is that a lot of people were confused to say it's like, so wait, they were dead the whole time, which led to. Lindelof and Q's have to come out and state no. Everything that happened on the island, that happened. That was true. That was real. You know, that there wasn't any facade about that. The flash sideways, you know, that was purgatory. And they're like, the problem is that like three, four years ago, Lindelof specifically stated that, yeah, we're not going to do anything like that because people will see that as cheap and people will see that as a cop-out. So it's one thing when you have people saying that, but when it's the show's creator admitting to the fact that that type of an ending is a cop-out, and then doing exactly what he said would be a cop-out, that, I feel like, is where the frustration comes from, and that, to me, is way more understandable and relatable. It's like, okay, well, 
Again, it's not just some schmuck online who's saying that. It's This is the show's creator. This is the guy basically admitting, yeah, that thing that we said we were going to do, yeah, we changed our minds. We just, did, you know, we just didn't do that. Yeah, no, okay. So I've, I've obviously thought about that a lot. And, and as a, okay, so I have two opinions on this, right? So as a fan, I'm kind of right there with you. But then as a creator who also is a fan of the show, I mean, there's so many times where I write a song and then six months later, I'll listen back and I'll be like, oh, there was an opportunity there for maybe this instrument or this or that. And, 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 but when you're in it and when you're in the moment and the energy's there and you know, you just like, you're so close to the end and it feels so sweet because you've been working on it for so long. You, you sometimes miss things. And especially with how much of a tall order loss must have been. So like I, I come at it from two sides, but I'd be naive if I was to say that like, I didn't at least recognize the frustration and I can see it as legitimate sort of critiques that like you and many people have told me. I personally, it doesn't, bother me that much because like the ride for me was was way better than the, des- the destination so that's like another reason why i forgive it but yeah i i, I can un- i can understand that and the end the last episode isn't my favorite but you know what i think that the thing that it does the most is honor these characters who i love so much i mean dude there are characters in this show who are like you know fourth fifth sixth seventh like most important characters that i love more than other shows that are my favorite shows they're leads that's just how that's just so you know like i can forgive a lot with this show and like i said at the top of this episode keep in mind this comes from a biased it is my favorite show but so right and and i like and i understand all that going in and, and which i again as i feel like why i'm kind of unable to understand a lot of complaints about this a little more because again this is not my favorite show i didn't watch this growing up i watched this kind of like just as seeing like how this is an essential piece of American pop culture television, you know, must watch, or in this case, could have been, because I still do think that there are certain elements, specifically in the later seasons, that to me, not only break some of the, what's it called, and not only break with some of the things that the show set up and then just went in a wildly different direction to the point where it almost feels like it's a trend and a feeling that I've kind of gotten now in a lot of different media, which is that where every new thing feels like a retcon of the previous one. Now, in some senses, you know, that could be good storytelling and, you know, they work it really well, but in some senses, it's definitely a situation of like where, okay, we're, we're just now getting into this new struggle that we have to make up, you know, and some and it starts to feel less and less natural mm-hmm. and starts to feel repetitive. Like, that's an issue that I ran into with Sons of Anarchy. That's an issue I'm running into with this season of Ozark, which I just started watching, and I'm only two episodes into. But yeah, so so like, that kind of goes to uh, that kind of goes to like what I, w- I guess I was trying to say, and I'm glad you said that because you kind of I can further chisel away at what I was trying to say about like how I feel about that fifth and sixth season in specific because I think you kind of saw this coming on in the fourth season of Lost, but you still had some of that magic, some of because I think the writer strike, which the third and fourth season sort of went through, really benefited in that these were people who were new to the scene, people who who were just trying to like make a name for themselves. So I think you got super high quality work on those third and fourth seasons. It was different because they weren't the union writers. They were, you know, Brian, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, an amazing comic writer who wrote Why the Last Man Saga. You know, they brought him up to the big leagues. So he was really giving it his all because he had kind of always wanted to be in television. And here's his shot. Completely different because he comes from a different medium. But then sort of as that died down and they kind of went back to more union staff in the fifth and sixth seasons and they knew an ending was was in sight 
you know, yeah, I think the, at the beginning of the fifth season, we introduce new problems, we solve it. At the beginning of the sixth season, we have the whole temple thing, and then that, you know how that ends. The show ends. So Yeah, especially if, if we want to talk about the sixth season specifically, I feel like that was the one where it's like, okay, we're going to set up this thing. Okay, we need to get them to the next location. Let's just end yeah. it. You know? And it starts to feel like kind of that instead of like, oh, no, okay, this is the next logical step of what would happen here, you know? Especially to the point where it's like, again, by that point, we're in the show's sixth season. And again, just talking from a, this is something that you and I have talked about a lot, but just from like a basic screenwriting, the last, and again, why the sixth season for a lot of people is the most egregious mm-hmm. one is that your finale is where you are starting to wrap stuff up. You do not add more things. Yeah. You know? Like that's just, it's <laughs> one of those kind of concrete rules that you don't True. break. You know, you know that as a creator. It's like, regardless of what happens, when it, things need to wrap up, they need to wrap up. Stories have beginnings, middles, and ends. It goes back to, again, it's this iconic Coen Brothers quote. I, I, I think it's Joel Cohen that made it, that he kind of was explaining like, you know, why he preferred movies over TV. It was like, because movies have beginnings, middles, and ends. TV has beginnings, middles, and then they just go on forever. They have no ending. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like this show is kind of like a backup of that where, uh, again, like when you're on your show's last season, your show's last season, like everyone has been kind of on your train at this point. They've been riding it. They've stuck with you even after arguably the show had already jumped the shark, the shark three seasons ago, which again, that's a term that I hate using. I think that's stupid because to me that kind of demeans the storytelling potential that shows have. I think that's kind of like a really easy way to stick a show inside a certain box and not allow it to expand and grow beyond what it is conceived as initially, which I think is a, which I think is a integral part of the creative process in right. general, you know, not trying to put things in boxes and give labels to them, which again, that's why kind of creativity and advertising can sometimes butt heads a little bit. But the, with me, like that was the most egregious thing where you set up that whole temple just specifically and what did it amount to? You brought back Widmore. Great. For what reason? Yeah. Because at least by that point, like, yeah, Widmore was a pretty intimidating character when he was first introduced. But at that point, it's like, what the fuck did he actually have to do? Like, for all that he did, first of all, the man in black does way more than anything. Whitmore is literally just a prop. Well, I'm like, okay, so they literally just put, from what I'm seeing on screen, they only put this here so that they could have them get on that sub so they could do that. And that's not even getting into some of the problems that I have with the whole Jacob and Man in Black origin, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, no, I mean, I, dude, listen, like I said, I know it's not a perfect show. It's just, it's my favorite show. And so I, I see all that. Um, One thing that I kind of want to switch gears to is, uh, you know, this is one thing that I, I love talking about with people who not only just enjoy the show, but like kind of like you and I who like commentate on it and sort of study this type of thing is you know i never got bored of the island <laughs> you know i never got bored of those beautiful establishing shots I of hawaii and it really was just them trudging through the woods of whatever island i think it was oahu or something that they shot on and yeah and and uh like what is that a testament to because you know setting is very important for shows that have as many episodes as lost and uh what what is it a testament to i mean again just good filmmaking okay. you know any to to me the best in the best media is is one where everything i'm talking your characters your setting your story your 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 edit everything is important like there's a thought process and there's a means behind every single decision that is made and obviously, again, just kind of the allure of this desert island. You know, we heard, we've been hearing rumors about the Bermuda Triangle. You know, that, that goes back all the way to Greek mythology with kind of those original storytelling techniques. You know, kind of where they were, were the, part, of, part of the fun of the Odyssey to me was after they left Troy and kind of how they were accursed by the gods and how every single time they would wash up on an island, it would be just like a new race of monsters. You know, first the Cyclops, then the Lestragonians, then um, what's it called? Then, uh, the, you know, the cannibals, then the the sirens, um, certain, you know, the sorceress Cersei, all that different stuff. And, like, that was kind of part of the fun of it, you know? So, 
I think in that sense, just from an iconography standpoint, that's one reason. But again, it just comes down to good storytelling. Like you have a great setup, you have a great mystery, and and the whole and again, I feel like part of the reason why another reason why the show is just from a conceptual standpoint is it broke its number one rule which again if we're going to put this thing in any kind of a box it's that it's a mystery show and it didn't solve any of its mysteries so <laughs> yeah. like from that from that logistical standpoint it did not live up to its premise that is not good storytelling to me like like just, just t- tackling that from my perspective that, yeah no i mean dude i can see that to me that is part of the fun though in the sense that like I still, every now and then, will look up a good lost, you know, uh, conspiracy theory video and see if there's a new hot take out there because they left it so open-ended. And I, I know that that is more so just the community keeping it going and sort of I, not covering up for the bad writing, but sort of just like embracing it, I would say, or, or not not bad writing, but bad storytelling, bad, bad structure, if you will. Because yes, you're right, like there should be an end, especially with the show that had this many sort of converging storylines and, and how they all literally come together at the end to have so many open answers is absurd and and, but to me that's kind of like part of the um the whole what baffles me about the legacy of this show because like for how much everyone says it's not perfect it's still always thrown around in that conversation of like very influential and important and and like you said iconic or you know you keep bringing up iconography which is a word i have never used you never heard you use to describe a show on this show yet so like there's got to be a reason for that but like so why is it that you think because you know i, I want to hear it from someone who has watched it once and watched it to sort of have this podcast and sort of analyze it you know like why why do you think that like even with all these flaws people still can forgive it um i think part of it is the nostalgia mm-hmm. factor I think a big part of it is the nostalgia factor. A part of the fact of, at the end of the day, like when you remember certain things, certain thoughts, certain feelings that you had while you were watching it, you people still remember the idea of, okay, this show was on at a time when no other show, no other network was doing something like this. Like, you know it's big when HBO is looking at Lost and being like, damn. You know? Because think about it, this the, the, the Sopranos ended... Lost came out when The Sopranos was already starting to wind down. Like it was, The Sopranos aired its fifth season when Lost started in the fall, and then it switched to the spring after the writers' strike. Um, the Wire was winding down, but The Wire, that's the thing that everyone confuses about The Wire. The Wire only became a cult hit after the DVDs came right. out. The Wire was not a huge thing. Like Nobody was talking about that show when it came out. And um, yeah, like there, there, were, there was no other show that was doing that. And so that's a big part of the reason why people remember that, is they, they remember that at a time when they, they were watching something. So it kind of like gives them that unique okay. feeling. But also, it's just the sense of like if you just take it from you know a storyteller perspective like i think of the best shows out there and to me lost incorporates elements that make it one of the best shows out there you know like narratively it was interesting and but but it wasn't just the fact that it was doing stuff that was different. It was also that it was just doing something that was old-fashioned. Like, it was doing good, old-fashioned storytelling. Like, there was not a ton of exposition. The The characters' expl- interactions were mostly dialogue-based just to get to know each other or to deal with situations like how we would do it. Again, it was good storytelling, first and foremost. And I think that still is a big part of the reason why people remember it so much. It's the same reason to me why... Even with how stupid and dumb Game of Thrones got in the last couple seasons, those first couple seasons, when the storytelling was on point, kind of trounced 
any sort of bullshit that came later yeah, on. Yeah, you know, I'll give you that. I'm glad that I, I asked you that because that is true. Like, I, I, you know, that kind of made me remember, like, every time I watch it, like, I feel like I can just walk up to that little tree hut, grab a banana and go sit by the beach and wait for Hurley to come out of the woods and say we have to run now. Like, I felt like I was there. So for all of its flaws, for all of its, you know, faults, I, I was in it. You know, the immersion level was very deep. Now, I got to ask you because you kind of like, you know, that was cool. And, and I'm glad you brought us there. And I want to take it even a step further from you know because i'm trying to like be objective right that's the whole point of the show to learn something and this is a challenge for me this episode because i mean look at my shirt right and so yeah it's tough to be objective when it's one of your favorite I, things. I personally don't know how this show has sort of held up i mean i know people still revere it but do they still appreciate it in the same way do they still see it in sort of like the same light or is it has it has it sort of fallen but it's important is it's like you know what i'm trying to say like where is it cemented would you say as now we're almost i think what 10 years since the 10 years yeah, so. literally 10 years since the finale yeah, um, I, it's it's a, it's a bit of an interesting case because I think that it, w- it would be very interesting, obviously, to see Lost kind of come out now in like kind yeah. of the the media. I don't think it would do as well, and that's coming from me. It wouldn't because the problem is that again, another thing that helped define Lost is the fact that it was doing things that TV on TV that had never been done before, and now every other TV show is incorporating experimental things. You know, I know we weren't a big fan of it, but look at the stuff that like Legion did. Look at the stuff that like even something that is like American Horror Story has done. Look at the stuff that again just like the networks of the, the networks like HBO and Showtime are to me you know like the idea of tele- making television cinematic is an idea that lost helped jumpstart and now is like been experimented around with so much that it's almost like become commonplace. Yeah. So I feel like A, if Lost comes out today, it wouldn't have its effect and people would pay more attention to kind of the storytelling techniques and in my opinion poorer and poorer as they went on. And so I feel like that would be a big thing but also just the fact of um just the fact that Lost wouldn't I, – I don't think it would have the same kind of fervor, obviously, because, again, it's like it's not like – it wouldn't be the talked about yeah. show. And so I feel like you take those two factors away, and all of a sudden that shows under a microscope in a way that it never was before, you know? Like before it was like, okay, what's going to happen this week on Lost? And today, it would be a situation if we're like, oh, okay, what's the next thing that's going to happen on Lost? Mm-hmm. You know? And even mm-hmm. though I just said the same thing, those are two drastically different tones that I just 100%, had. and I think... And there's a reason yeah, for Yeah, yeah, you know what? That kind of like, as we're getting closer to the end here, that kind of brings it back to when I was saying, like, for me, Lost is a time capsule, but I also think that the whole idea of, like, viewing Lost as a time capsule benefits the show in and of itself, because it was from, as we've said many times in this, this episode so far, an era of television that was, A, I think, very experimental mental and very forgiving of newer ideas and sort of having a sixth season that introduces new things not getting answered you know it's just it's all about when it happens and where we are as like a society that views uh, pop culture and especially changing pop culture as the 2000s gave us so yeah you know what i'm glad I still am going to defend the show till I die, but I can see now, I think I'll be a little nicer to the person who doesn't see the magic of Lost. Instead of maybe being like, well, you're wrong, I'll be like, hey, here's why you're wrong. And I'll try and, you know, so. <laughs> okay, so, so first off, now you're finally starting to take the, the thought process of me, where I used to just shout at people all the time because they didn't like the same things that I liked. And now I'm kind of taking a step back and be like, oh, okay, I understand why you like this. Here's why you're wrong. Right, but, you gotta grow. Uh, that, you know? That's literally what I say. I'm like, yeah, because that, that that's why that's why critics do. And I'm like, you're allowed to like what you like, and and you're not the only one. Like I said, I have my one show. Like Game of Thrones was my loss. Mm-hmm. You know, like I watched that show every single week, and then when the finale sucked, I didn't freak out the way that everybody else said. Because I'm like, yeah, it's over. It wasn't a good ending. Like just from a storytelling perspective, it's bad. But you know, um, that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna like 
not going to stop liking the stuff that I didn't like. You know, kind of this this whole thought process that everyone has. I feel like the prequels really started this trend badly. <laughs> we and always I'm glad bring that it back trend somehow. Kind of started to go. Well, yeah, it always comes back to that. Um, because the, the the prequels obviously kind of started this really bad trend that I'm starting to be really glad is going away, which is the idea that oh, because this one there's this one bad part about the franchise, it ruins kind of the entire franchise, and I could not disagree with that more. Because right. I'm sorry, again, it's the exact same thing. The last two seasons of Game of Thrones don't ruin all the great moments that I had during Game of Thrones. The same way that the Star Wars prequels, and more specifically the Star Wars sequels, don't ruin the overall idea and fun that I can get from Star Wars. And it's the same thing with Lost. I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I don't think that it's great. I recognize it for being revolutionary, for doing the things that it did when it did. And... For the stuff that I like that I get out of it, you know, I'm not going to not like it. Like, I love the characters and the actors that they got to play them. Like, these are, for the most part, a great group of characters, one exception withstanding, which I'm, I'm kind of sad I didn't get to go into a little bit more of that. Actually, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to. Um, I hate Jacob. Fuck Jacob. I think he's one of the worst characters ever written. I think he's one of the worst characters ever conceived of, just not only within the Lost Verse, but within kind of the overall like television landscape. It's one thing that he's a god figure, which are already uninteresting characters to write because you can't... How do you write omnipotence and be interesting? The only way that you can pull that off is if you have like a Dr. Manhattan or a Superman who's literally just having an existential crisis and not doing anything and moping around. But Jacob's one step worse because Jacob isn't having any sort of an existential crisis. He's just moping around and doing nothing and making people's lives miserable simply to prove that they can make themselves better. It's like, okay, that would be one thing, but now you're, you're basically fucking around with the basic foundations of like logic. Not to mention the fact that he's such a poorly conceived character that he ends up coming off as like more of a villain than his own brother. Right in the very Black, end, yeah. Who will by by all but who by all stand, standard definition, like with everything that was going into back up why Jacob was wrong in his thought process and his executions of his plans. Like the, I almost kind of felt for the man in black. I was like, yeah, I kind of want you to get off this goddamn stupid island. Fucking put an end to your misery and everyone else. He was a misery, bad guy, you know? but he was and also just, a it, misunderstood bad guy. So yes, and, and that's why I liked it. I, I, I again more so kind of into the just the thought process behind Locke and, and the idea to kind of swap in Locke as a means of just kind of them wanting to use that to kind of tackle an alternative persona for Locke rather than like actually say, oh no, this is the villain, this is the smoke monster. You know, it was interesting, but I don't necessarily if, know if it worked completely in conception. But yeah. That was kind of just my little mini Jacob rant. Uh, fuck Jacob. I think he's one maybe be maybe the worst character. Ever wow. Written. Okay. That's I disagree, yeah. but I don't like him very much. But hey, so I actually wanted to do sort of like before we each gave our conclusions and put like a rating on this monster of a show, our our favorite and least favorite characters. So why don't you just do your favorite character yes. real quick Glad and continue that trend? Yeah, exactly. Man. I mean, if we have to, uh, if yeah, it's a Lindelof definitely. property, especially yeah. a TV show like this one. Absolutely. I was about so. This, so this is going to be our, our our trend that we start now every day with Lindelof property because they always have some exactly. Cast. We'll have to do this when we do our leftover. What we do our exactly. leftovers watch. Um. Yeah. I I had a decent amount of favorite characters. Like the thing that I liked about the show is that not not one character was um similar to the other. Mm -hmm. Like they all had their own different unique wants and needs. And again, one of the fascinating parts, probably the fast most fascinating part, and why looking back, I think that the first season is the best in terms of just the storytelling is that how they would have all these characters be on these different kind of missions and have their own goals and thoughts and wants and then they would kind of just run into other characters randomly in background you know in, in their backstories you know like when Sawyer runs into Jack's dad in the bar and all that and then how Jack's dad is also revealed to be um uh, Kate's dad as well like that's a thought process that like I feel like if that came out now a lot of people would get annoyed by that but back then I'm like I actually thought that's so why don't cool. you give like one and main so favorite and then like maybe one or two honorable mentions we can each do yeah, definitely. Cool. So my number one favorite, I could definitely say without a doubt, is Charlie. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think he's the most relatable, and I th feel like, uh, again, th this is giving a lot, but I feel like kind of the relatability of the show died off with him. A, a big part of the relatability of the show died off with him. Because as much as I love season four, I, the more that I think back, season four might be my second favorite after the first season. I think the first season is objectively the best season, but season four is just my absolute favorite because it's fun to keep up with. The flash forwards were kind of something new that were added, and I feel like kind of the, the, the presence of the mercenaries there gave a new threat that I feel like had not been there before. It was kind of taking the threat, the overall ominous threat of the others in the first couple seasons and putting that in the forefront and kind of, you know, them having to work together. My, the only thing that I felt like that was really distressing is the others kind of went away for a majority of season four until the end when they just came back and saved them. That was the only thing, real gripe that I had with season four, aside from the whole moving the island and then we tackle into space time and all that crap. But yeah, Charlie was my number one I feel like he was one of the most relatable characters, especially, you know, as an addict. I feel like ABC kind of taking the direction that they did with him um, with that character. I'm glad that they didn't make that character as exploitative. I'm glad that they kind of really showed that, like, yeah, it's a nail this. And kind of, again, kind of part of the brilliance of the backstory is that, yeah, you, it, it showed kind of a struggle that a lot of addicts go through, which is that, yeah, you know, the, their life sometimes isn't all fun and games. Sometimes they have good lives. Sometimes they don't. And... It, it, it just helped to ground that character a lot. And on top of the fact that Dominic Monaghan, I already think, was the best actor on that show. Uh, kind of, it, It's funny how he went right from Lord of the Rings into that. But in terms of some other characters, again, I'm, I'm about to name drop 20 here. I'm sorry, I'm breaking the rules already. But yeah, I really love Sawyer. I love H Hurley. I love Desmond. Um, some other characters. Um, Miles started to grow on me, even though I feel like he kind of never had the... I, I feel like he had yeah. his one moment and then it kind of fizzled out because by then it was like Lost was more focused on plot than character. Saeed was another character uh. who I thought started off having a lot of potential, but A, that character with his, specifically with his acting started to get really repetitive and I'm like, okay, you're starting to kind of get a little bit of annoying. And then when they just basically turned him into a sociopath out of nowhere for kind of no reason, especially when it's revealed that, you know, Jacob, again, my least favorite fucking character ever, is the, the source of his misery and then people are confused when he goes with the man in black. It's like, well, gee, what would you do if basically God murdered your girlfriend? You know? True. Damn. Yeah. Wow. Um, good. Good arguments. So I guess I'll start off with my least favorite. Um, and you know, you, you might be surprised by this, but I gotta say, I was not a fan of Kate. Um, I'm really. Oh yeah. No, well, I, I, I'm really never a fan of Evangeline Lilly in general, uh, especially. Especially since, now. Well, yeah. I mean, all all things aside, yeah. uh, especially you know since she forced herself into the hobbit too i mean i know she didn't do that but like you know that character did not exist yeah, and i just think that like all she was really there for was to have have a character to be yelled at and she kind of like always made choices that clearly were i think a to stir the pot and b like unnecessary and so you can't blame her too much in, in regards to that but i think that the way they were written probably translated way better than the way that she physically acted them out and oh i'll do one better i'll do one better than that real quick i'll say that besides the fact of after the first season she is literally only there to be a romantic foil between right. jack and sawyer like that to me is literally the only way, literally to the point where her number one reason for wanting to go back to the island in the later seasons besides claire which again is already manufactured and feels bullshit enough literally to the point where by the time they actually get back to the island it's just like okay how do we keep them on the island that's like i said we're kind of those writer ploys it's like it started to feel like ploys and not good storytelling and also just the fact of okay so she gave up this kid who she'd been raising for three years just because she missed sawyer when she was already screwing jack it's like that 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 this is what kind of where like the points of where okay so this is why i don't like romantic subplots but also also besides all that 
the most egregious thing I find about Kate is the fact of when Lindelof directly was asked which three characters he'd want to be stranded on an island with, he was like, well, Kate, I think the third choice he brought up was Kate because she's nice to look at. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> not because she can fend for herself, not because she can hunt, not because she's one of the only certified badasses, one of the only certified badasses on the island who's actually capable and can handle herself. No, because she's nice to well, look yeah, at. Well, yeah, I mean, she is. Wow, like, I'm not, a, I'm not a big proponent of, like, the whole Me Too thing. Obviously, with women, but that's one of those instances where it's like, okay, come on, guy. Really? Yeah, well, hey, man, no one's perfect. And, uh, but what I will say is, like, yeah, she obviously is, like, equipped for survival, but I mean, I, I just think, like, Kate's character on paper is really cool. I think that Kate's character casted by anyone else had potential but i just i'm not an evangeline lily fan and i just i just don't like what she brought to the character but you know yeah i agree i don't think she's a very dynamic but you know who i think is a very dynamic character in this show benjamin lioness yeah that is my favorite character of this show and of course i have a few honorable mentions but dude ben has an arc that if I can write something as compelling as the Benjamin Lioness story in my life, even if it doesn't get sold, even if no one reads it but myself, I've completed everything I want to cre- uh, complete as a creator in the film medium. Because to me, I- I've never went from hating someone so much and then five episodes later, making like just wanting them to survive and persevere in, in such like a bubble almost because... It's just like it happens so fast, but it doesn't take away from it for me. Like the Benjamin Linus story is is unlike no other on this show. He is the prodigal son who never was. You know, he could have been the chosen one, but really he was just like the step before the chosen one. And it's just so much fun to watch him like search for redemption. And I also love to fantasize about how he is now Hurley's servant just on the island. And I have... I mean, dude, I haven't written any fan fiction down, but I could because the amount of like stories I've dreamed up, surprised you, you know, and, and so, yeah, Benjamin Linus really is just such a dynamic character and some other honorable mentions for me, Desmond, mostly because of the catchphrase. Just kidding. I mean, I love him and see you in another, in another life, brother. I mean, that's just, I love that. Say it all the time. It's, it's so good. And, and I mean, dude, Desmond is just great. You know, uh, Charlie, of course, he's my number two. So. Not Penny's, not Penny's boat. boat, man. I always wanted to make a T-shirt. Not Penny's boat for life. That—that's. I will say that, like, for as slow and dragging as season three is, and I will admit, of those first three seasons, season three is my least favorite. The more I think about it, oh man, that moment that almost made it worth it. That almost. I'm like, okay, wow, that is that that is powerful. And, and uh, j- just to kind of. Oh, oh up, yeah. Sorry, I, yeah, I just yeah, had one more. My my last one is uh, is Claire because uh, it's sort of like another journey like Ben's and they easily could have uh you know taken sort of the Ben trajectory I think at that point in time when Claire sort of went on her anti-hero journey we clearly saw that like Ben turning to the light worked but I'm glad that they sort of took it a bit of a different way and sort of gave her her own unique fall from grace I I thought that that was really cool and and very interesting and I think it was very true to the character yeah, so what, all that I'm going to say about that is specifically with Ben and Claire. I'm, I'm actually interested that you brought those two up. Those two storylines and arcs specifically with me are kind of, again, reinforcements of kind of the idea of Lost trading up good storytelling for what I'm going to call shocks, shock and reveals, or as uh, that one YouTuber whose series that I sent you, whose name I'm currently not remembering, uh, called Fake Mysteries, which is in the sense of where Ben Linus has all of the seeds to be a great character, but considering all of the great villain arcs, for lack of a better word, villain slash anti-hero arcs that I saw both at the time 
and now, you know, like, for me, if you want to just take straight villains, like, I feel like what they did with both Stringer Bell and Marlo Stanfield on the wire alone is like, wow, like, that's how you do a villain. The thing that I, the, the problem that I have with Ben's arc specifically is that they couldn't decide whether they wanted him to be a straight-up villain or whether they wanted you to have, w- w- that you just, like, had understood and had empathy for, or whether they wanted you to, like, have some sympathy going forward. You know, the kind of wrestling between those two different ideas. And they, they kind of tried to play it both ways. And that's one of the things that I just... I, it, that character just became too inconsistent for me at the end. And, like, I enjoyed the performance. I enjoyed the character. Like, his origin is great. But he just became too inconsistent of a character. It's the same thing with Claire, honestly, where... They bring back Claire when cl- clearly it's just like, okay, you had her hop out for a season and then you just bring her back. And so she was just on the island, um, you know, during all those time jumps. That's just where kind of like the logic of my brain like can't exactly line up with the show. And also when they bring her back, you want to talk about the idea of just psychopathic characters out of nowhere on that character. She goes full Jungle Savage, Jonestown, and then everyone is just kind of cool and rolling with it. Again, just like little little logical pieces that I can't really wrap my brain around completely. Well, you you know, know, it's time to jump into conclusions, and I will say that I couldn't disagree more, but it's okay because there are lock people and there are jack people, and not everyone can be, you know, both. So with that being said, um, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting take, and I sort of I see some merit there. I disagree, but I'm sure other people agree with you, because that's just the kind of show this is. You either have people who have a yes or a no, but there's no middle ground. They either feel strongly about one thing or strongly about another. And with, with that being said, Dom, let's, let's wrap this up. How, how did you feel about Lost overall, and what kind of rating would you give it? Gotta get, uh, gotta, gotta, gotta get my, my, my brain going here for this conclusion. Okay, so here's what I'll say. Lost, I think I've already spewed enough rep- repetitive phrases about <laughs> Lost and Revolutionary. I wish I could come up with different words to substitute for other words, but I can't. My brain is just incapable of doing that at the time. But whatever. Uh, I think that Lost is a very entertaining watch. Despite, the, despite its many problems, and it does have problems, I would still recommend people to watch it. I think that there is a lot that people can get from this show. And what I also like to do is just because, you know, what I like to say to, if I, if I can kind of offer my two cents for aspiring creators, because I know that's something that you like to do a lot. But if I'm offering up my two cents, I would say the brilliant thing, and I think the thing that you can kind of get from Lost, is you kind of learn how to write, and you can learn how not to write. And that, I think, is just as important as, like, watching the best in order to get examples. You know, like, one of the things that I feel like was missing from film school when we were there is, yeah, we were shown a lot of examples of how to do something great, but half the time, those were just anomalies, Mm -hmm. you know? What about, and I feel like if they kind of had reinforced the examples of, okay, okay, this is what you don't do, and here's why you don't do it. I feel like Lost is a perfect example of that. Literally to the point where it's completely split down the middle, where the first three seasons are mostly character-focused, and then the last four, three seasons are kind of plot-focused, for lack of a better word, and they can't really decide what it wants to do. And so I feel like that, to me, is why Lost is a great example of that. But also, I think it's a very entertaining show. I think it's a well-made show. I think the characters are well-thought-out. It's interesting and good storytelling. The iconic to me is rivaled only by a few shows and yeah with all that being said like I'm not gonna say I hated watching it I actually really really enjoyed it like to the point where when they were introducing some of the more batshit and insane things that they were doing in the last couple seasons even when it was getting to the point where I'm like okay this started to defy logic just a little bit I was still on board with it and there's not too many things that I can say did that for me overall and so with all that being said I guess my overall star rating is I'm gonna go with three and a half stars 
I feel that. Five. I respect that. That was a, you know, you made a good case for it. If if we come to me and, and if I have to do this, and of course I do because it's it's our show and I sort of yes, pose. you do. You are legally required exactly. to. Exactly. And here. so I would, I would say that, you know, for me, Lost isn't about the destination. It's about the ride. And it's a ride that I've taken many times since because I love it so much. I can forgive just about everything on this show. And if you have another four hours, I can explain to you why you should forgive it too. And I think not many shows sort of give you the territory to dive in deep enough where you can do that, where you can pause frames, where you can, you know, even go as far as to try and look up translations for the hieroglyphs. And with that being said, like, dude, these are the shows I live for the shows that have just way too much going on that like, you kind of have to stop watching everything to get fully everything in the show and so that that's why like yes i see exactly what you're saying i think that was actually a brilliant way to describe it um this is a a perfect example of what to do and what not to do but to me you know lost is inspiring for for one reason mainly it's because it, it kind of just did what it what it felt was right and and in the moment too and i think like you you kind of have to live in the moment as like a creator at at some point in your in your life because your song will never be perfect paul mccartney said he never wrote the perfect song and this is like from a year ago in a rolling stone interview so if he's saying that you just got to live and let live sometimes and you know just put out the best that you can do in that moment and so i respect loss for that because to me it's very earnest and and it it feels very just authentic and there was nothing like it so i'm really glad we had loss because yeah. i don't know if we would have had Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones, you know. You guys have heard the whole podcast at this point. You know what I'm trying to say. And, and what I'm trying to really say is that Lost is a perfect five. And if you don't agree, don't at me because I don't I don't want to hear your opinion. If, if you don't, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But to me, it's a perfect five and I love it. And, and Chris has revealed his ultimate Lost fan. And let's talk nature. about why you don't like it as much. And let me change your mind. So with that being said, Dom... Um, let me tell you yeah exactly and where can they find us to uh you know if if i had to tell them where they were you know why they were wrong and where they were wrong where can that happen where does that take place dom oh well this channel was streaming on my personal youtube channel that being movie nerd reviews but if you want to actually hear more of us or in this case watch more of us you can check us out at our name the talking tv podcast i'll figure out a way to flash graphics there's actually a way to like push graphics through here at some point i just have to figure out how to do it cool but yeah talking tv type that into any place where you listen to podcasts anchor spotify apple Podcasts, radio public stitcher Pocket Casts, Google Play, any places you can listen to podcasts except SoundCloud. And as for where you can follow us on the social medias in order to find out more information about what's going on on the Talking TV podcast, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and now, brand new, on Yeah, YouTube. we got big plans on YouTube, and uh, we're going to be doing a lot of, of fun stuff, and as time goes on, even different types of content that will be sort of YouTube exclusive. But you know what? Like Lost did for so many seasons, I want to keep him in the dark on that one for a little while longer. You know, and uh, sort of jump into where you guys can find me. You can find me at Christian Ivanko. That's my first and last name. Don't wear it out. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the good places. I make music. Just go to my pages and and click the little link in my bio because I have my own music, which is under my own name. I have my band. I also have another podcast. And I made this nice little link that consolidates it all for you in one place. So just go to any of my personal pages, click that link, and it'll bring you to anything you want to find. And hey, you know what? If you're there, I appreciate you for being there. If you're here right now in our live stream, thank you so much. And and also thank you to everyone who's been listening to our podcast, Talking TV. It, It really does mean a lot to me. 
And uh, so with that being said, Dom, why don't you tell them where they can find you? And then uh, you, you said you had a message you want to leave them with today, I think. Oh, or? do I always? Do I always? Yeah, you guys can find me on all of my social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all under my one name, Movie Nerd Reviews. And Chris, without further ado, I mean, there's only one thing that I can leave the people we're here with, which is for our first official live stream, which we pulled off with absolutely no problems, watch more fucking movies, people. We out.